There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hello, everybody. This is Gentry Estes, sports columnist at the Tennessean, alongside... Eric Backrack, Titans beat writer for the Tennessean. And we are Talkin' Titans, uh, your weekly look at... The Titans, and now we are into week 16. We're getting near the end of the season here. Tough, tough result this last weekend, obviously, losing 24-21 to the Texans. I felt like the Titans, Eric, played pretty well in this game, but Texans played a little bit better, got a big win, and now you know the Titans are, are going to need some help as they approach these final two games. Yeah, I think, I think we agree that Titans played well, you know, kind of just not their day out there as far as some of the breaks that that happened, I mean, to me, uh, they were right there, save for a couple of plays. The, the the key one was the Tannehill pass to Anthony Ferkser that that Justin Reed made a really good play on. Anthony Ferkser probably has to hang on to the ball. He he does, but at the same time, at at a certain point, you got to tip your cap to to the Texans for making a really good play there. Uh, that's that's a huge swing in that game uh, in a three point game. And then to me, more than anything, probably is, is just the field goal kicking gentry is, you know, it's been a season-long headache continued again this past week. You know, Ryan Suckup misses a 45-yarder that was low. It kind of looked like, you know, he was he was compensating a little bit, um, just trying to get more distance, so giving less rise as, as far as his kicking approach. And now he's one for six on the season. Uh, the Titans are eight for 18, worst conversion rate in the league by far. And also, I mean, you look at uh, the, the fake punt in that game came with the Titans near the end of the second quarter. Titans had the ball at the Houston 37-yard line. They go for a fake punt where, you know, I think probably probably half the teams in the league throw out their, their field goal kicker out there for a 55-ish yard field goal. For the Titans, it really wasn't a thought just for, for how bad they've been on kicking field goals. So that that's another you know, attempt that goes out the window because they've been so inept at, at kicking field goals. So that's been a really big problem. And, you know, when you get get to this time of the year, playing the teams that the Titans are playing that, you know, all playoff caliber, you know, these little things add up. And, and for the Titans right now, this is a big thing, kicking field goals and converting. So something that's got to resolve itself one way or the other, I think, for, for the Titans to have a chance down the stretch. Yeah, and eight for eighteen—that's that's inexcusable. That's that, inexcusable. I mean, I was thinking to myself, has an NFL team ever gone a full season without hitting double digits for for field goals, like hitting uh, at least ten field goals? That's it's just a crazy stat to me. All right, so we'll stop with the doom and gloom here, <laughs> as as after a, a loss. And really, honestly, I didn't see a lot of reason for doom and gloom after the game on Sunday. I. If if this team ends up falling just short of the playoffs again, I think you have to look back at the first six weeks of the season more than you do what happened Sunday. What happened in that game? You lose those games sometimes. Give the Texans credit for for making plays, and you know for this, given uh, what happened last week, we're going to be a little optimistic this week. You know, we, we've we've come in in on on to, we've talked Titans this year and haven't always been very optimistic. So we were gonna we were gonna do that this time and and go over some some aspects of the team that have emerged here, let's say since, since that first six game stretch or mm-hmm. since mid season that, uh, that have given real cause for optimism, I think moving forward for the Titans. And I think there are quite a few things. Some of them are obvious, some others, maybe not so much, but we hope, you know, the rest of this, we, we make you make you feel a little better about things after a tough loss that, 
could very easily lead to another nine and seven season yeah. and perhaps falling just short of the playoffs. But these are all kind of new things, and I'm going to start with. I would say the obvious one would be Ryan Tannehill, clearly. Uh, he still played pretty well Sunday, I, I thought, in this game. He's he's played well since he got stepped into the job. I think it's almost a, 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 a given now that they're going to sign him in some way and bring him back as the as the quarterback. And, and Eric, for, with the way this season started, with so many questions about Marcus Mariota, there, there was a lot of uncertainty about that position. To have it answered so emphatically by the other guy – I mean, I know Ryan Tannehill, he's in his early 30s, but you've seen guys do this before where they've they've rejuvenated their career at this point. Guys like Kurt Warner. and sure. I mean, it's not unprecedented to see a guy play his best football in his early 30s at that position. Do you think we're, we're there with Ryan Tannehill now where, where the Titans, they don't just have an answer at quarterback. They might have one of the, the top half quarterback in the league. I, I do, unless he completely bombs out the rest of the way here. The final two games of the season, I don't see that happening. I agree. I, I think it's comeback story of the year. Just, you know, just looking around the league, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's kind of surprising that it got to this point. But I think, I think you have to say that you've kind of found your answer, and that's not to say that the Titans won't look, you know, around in the draft and, and maybe look for a guy in the middle rounds. Because again, this is a deep quarterback class that's that's coming out. Uh, in 2020. But, you know, to me, the conversation kind of went from Tannehill being a bridge type of guy to, to being, you know, now the, the full-fledged answer as far as what you're looking for in the future for the Titans. I think, you know, franchise tag would be the absolute uh, last resort, worst, uh, you know, situation. They're, they're going to have to pay him. They're, they're going to have to pay him. I, I don't think the franchise tag is the answer because that's 27 plus million with the projected salary cap this upcoming uh, season, so I think I think they give them you know a, a medium to to longish type deal, maybe three years, something like that. I think I think at this point you have to. How about the Dolphins just letting? I mean, if the Titans end up finding a Pro Bowl quarterback just off the scrap heap, the way the way this happened. I mean, kudos to John Robinson. You don't, you don't see it. You don't nope. hardly ever see this the way, and 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 when you do, there are all timer type stories like Kurt Warner or players like that. But um, I mean, I think Tannehill has done enough this season to prove that it was not a fluke. He's played consistently well now since he stepped into that job. Yep, and, and he's, he mean, transformed the team. He totally. This past game was was statistically his probably worst game in, in a month and he still had a plus 90 passer rating. And the interception wasn't his fault. It wasn't mean, his fault at all. You know, so it, it's hard to fault anything that he's doing. And like you said, you, you kind of look at, at the turning point for for this team this season and it's it's never been more obvious than what it's what's going on in Nashville this year and that's Ryan Tannehill. All right, what's what's one of your reasons for optimism? We'll go back and forth here. Sure. I, I mean, I think A.J. Brown is, is, you know, fairly obvious as well. It appears you know, through the first 14 games of, of A.J. Brown's career that, that he is poised for, you know, a, a really strong career. He's, he's approaching, I think, 900 yards now through the first 14 games. You know, has been has really kind of come on late, especially, you know, this past game, he looked like, you know, an emerging wide receiver one. As uh, he did. 13 targets, eight catches. Uh, you know, the, the Texans, as the game goes on, you know, kind of start to hone in on this guy. And then you're hoping that opens the stuff up for Corey Davis. But A.J. Brown kind of handled that spotlight really well. You know, he's a guy that 
you know, has, has done really well after the catch this season. Um, you know, if, if Tannehill is able to hit him in stride, he's got the speed and the strength to shake guys off and, and also beat them down the field. Uh, I think he has five catches of, of over like 45 yards or, or something like that this season. So he's he's given this offense something that it hasn't had of late, which is big play potential. And now that consistency is beginning to, to come along. Uh, I think going forward, you have to be really happy that that you got AJ Brown where you did in the second round. Uh, other than than Tannehill, obviously, I I do view AJ Brown's emergence as a, as the biggest reason for optimism for this team. Th- this last game to me was a turning point kind of performance for him because mm-hmm. with what happened in Oakland, the Raiders are just terrible on the back end. Everybody it seemed like was making plays down the field. AJ had a good day, but so did a lot of other people. What happened against the Texans is the Texans. I, I feel like had to be focusing on him right and he still makes that many plays and is that much of an impact on a day where it was not as near nearly as easy to 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 make that happen he's doing that in a scenario where you start to wonder can this sustain regardless of the opponent regardless of the game script that's number one receiver stuff Mm -hmm. when you got a guy who you know week after week after week is going to perform no matter what the other team tries to do deandre hopkins for example right you're just waiting on what happened in that game because deandre hopkins always does it sure and if if the titans have that guy the titans haven't haven't often had that guy they just don't that was to me has been the biggest weakness of this team all year um, they they just have not had a lot of punch in their receiving. I, I think as we look back early in the season, I think the quarterback you'd have to say might have had something to do with that too. And we've seen another guy do it, but you know Corey Davis, despite being a a, a solid NFL receiver, is not what they drafted him to be. Right. He he too often disappears in games where you just you know have two or three catches maybe, and then the next week he'll he'll have a good performance. But that consistency of showing up every single every single game isn't isn't quite there for him where with aj brown it's it's certainly looking like uh he's becoming that and he's a rookie who's going to be on a rookie deal for a little while now so that's some value yes it is and if you get that kind of performance out of a a rookie at wide receiver that is you're in good shape that is a big deal um i'll I'll throw out there another rookie and jeffrey simmons i feel like the interior defensive line didn't play that well in this last game i felt like that was if you're looking for one of the reasons i felt like the, the the things that separated the texans in this game the texans the things that the titans had been doing well to win games the texans did at this time they were able to establish a run game even better than the titans did with derrick henry 40 plus rushing yards yeah and uh, carlos Hyde goes over 100 yards and and it just felt like he never had a big play in the game i think his long run was maybe 11 yards in the whole game but he just kept four, five, six yards every time he got down and distant, got the chains in, in the in the Texans' favor. And the Titans haven't often allowed teams to do that to them. And I felt like the Texans outphysicaled them a little bit up front. That said, Jeffrey Simmons is is a stud. We know that. We we've seen that. He still made a play in the game. He tipped that pass that got intercepted in the end zone. That could have been a game winning kind of play for the right. Titans if things had fallen a little bit differently. And it just seems like in Simmons' case. You know, maybe not as consistent as you'd want, which is which is expected out of a rookie. rookie. Yeah. Um, but it just seems like every game he'll flash a, t- a time or two and, and make those kind of plays. And you know, you just don't often see interior defensive linemen that have the knack for making plays to change games the way he has a sure. time or two. No, I agree, and I think you know, as encouraging as anything is just the fact that we're talking about him in this light this season because it wasn't. You know, it wasn't a foregone conclusion that he was going to be back. You know, it was a risky pick. It was, it was a risky pick, you know, because of the ACL tear in February. 
he had a long road back, and, and just the fact that he was able to get back as quickly as he did and, and be as effective immediately as he was, I think that speaks to his potential, speaks to his work ethic, speaks to you know what might be in store for the rest of his career. And I think I think also Gentry probably worth mentioning. Johnny Smith, you know, we we've seen him show up certainly in in key moments. You know, this past week, I think his speed was a really big part of of the Titans' success. He had the fifty seven yard run on that interception that that um, Ferkser had pop loose. He he ran close to 100 yards to, to save a touchdown, was really out of the picture on that play and ran himself back into it. You know, and he's got big shoes to fill, filling Delaney Walker's shoes. Uh, Walker was a model of consistency, the one reliable sort of cog in the offense for so long here in, in Tennessee. So Janu, you know, that's that's a, a big role to take up. And, and um, you know, I think he's, he's stepping into that. I, I don't think that the Titans necessarily – don't look at tight ends in the draft. I think that's certainly a position of, of need with, with Delaney Walker potentially on the way out. But I, I think Jonu Smith, you know, is establishing himself as, as a fine tight end in the league right now. How many other teams are giving their tight ends carries yeah, exactly. and then having them break it for about 50 yards? That was that was a really impressive run. He was taking angles away from people. His, the speed this guy shows to be as big as he is, mm-hmm. and he's a big dude. When you, when you stand next to... John o. Smith, it's similar to Derrick Henry. I mean, he's a big guy. And and to, to have that kind of speed and athleticism in the open field, I mean, you you really do see all, all the, the pieces here for him to be an elite tight end in this league. Uh, maybe not quite the pass – not the pass catcher Delaney Walker was. Right. But I think – you know, look, Vrabel loves John Doe. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, by and and I, I, you can see why the, this guy's got a lot of ability. And, um, you know, it is funny that you've seen all season though, when you see these passes at the goal line, they're going to Anthony Ferkser, and maybe not as much to John Doe. I, I think, I think the next step for him is going to be that eight, nine, ten target a game kind of tight end. He's not that yet. He's he's definitely not that yet. Uh, but listen, he was a third-round pick just a couple of years ago for, for a reason. Going back to Ferks, I, I do think he's got some of the surest hands on the team. Just was unfortunate to, to have that one pop loose that, that we've alluded to this whole time. But I, I think John U. Smith's ceiling could, could be that. Again, if, if I'm the Titans, I, I still certainly do my due diligence as far as looking at tight ends potentially drafting to draft, you know, in April. But but I think Johnny Smith has all the tools, as you mentioned, to get to that point. Another reason for optimism I'll throw out there is uh, the fact that the Titans probably won't have to be hiring a new offensive coordinator going into next season. Yeah. I think by this point, Arthur Smith has done enough to keep his job. And I think for a lot of this season, whether it was spoken or not, I, I think that was very much a question mark. It's per, with how badly this offense was playing for a lot of the year, to see how much of a transformation has occurred, you don't often see that. Teams don't completely reinvent. The, and I'm not going to say reinvent, because really they just kind of started doing things they should have been doing all along, which is hand the ball to Derrick Henry a whole bunch in the first half and then open up the passing game. And I think you also see uh, the difference a, a capable quarterback made in right. all this too. And, and that makes all this stuff makes a coach look better. But I, I never thought Arthur Smith was doing a, a, a terrible job. But it's it's not, look for anybody stepping into their first year in a job they never had before. There's going to be a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Nobody's just going to be outstanding right away. You're going to have to have some failures to teach you. And I think he's learned very quickly. Uh, you see a lot of what he's trying to do now in games, 
and it makes sense. I, for example, the the uh, hot streak they get on, and, and Brandon Tannehill deserves a lot of the credit. But look, they've been handing the ball to Derrick Henry a lot, mm-hmm. and that's it's no secret. We've been saying all year that's that's really it opens what, up everything. Yeah, yeah, and. And now you see A.J. Brown kind of start to emerge as a real problem for other teams to deal with, and he gets 13 targets in a, in a, in a big game against the Texans. I, I don't necessarily think that was how the game went. I think they tried to get him, him involved, and I don't know if this team has really tried to do that with very many receivers this year the way they did in this game, and they were able to do it. I, I think that's there's some common sense aspects to this that he's starting to incorporate, and, and, and it's working. The offense was a real liability for this team and it's become a strength. You you could make the case that over the last month of the season the offense has outperformed the defense and I don't for think sure. at it, early in the season we would have ever thought that was even remotely possible. Never. Just never did would that was that thought within the realm of possibility for us. Uh and you know he he caught a lot of flack through those first 6 games and you know I I think to to some extent when an offense is, you know, averaging 16 points a game rightfully so and rightfully so he's getting all the praise he deserves now and, and again it's it's really uh pretty much unbelievable to, to have an offense almost double its its scoring output you know from the first half to the second half or in this case from from uh week seven onward but that's what the titans are doing they're averaging 30 points a game since week seven after averaging around 16 uh, through the first six weeks and and derrick henry has a lot to do with it ryan Tannehill does but so does sort of the the Arthur Smith getting past those that learning curve that we, we kind of mentioned. And, you know, I, I agree. I think uh, he's, he's earned himself a spot as that in that role for the foreseeable future. I think it's important also to have some continuity in that position. I know a lot of what so many people said about Mariota's time with the Titans was he never was able to con- – Key, that he always had so many different coordinators right. and systems and all this and that and, and obviously I think that's one of the reasons Arthur got the job was probably to help his familiarity with with, with Marcus, with Marcus. Yeah. yeah and then and it ends up playing out the way it does now but pretty I, ironic but yeah yeah I mean you know I, I I from what I've seen I like Arthur Smith I think he's a good coach I think he's a, he's a sharp dude mm-hmm. and I think he is only going to get better in that role um, provided. They re-sign Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Correct, yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> because a good quarterback has certainly helped. Mm-hmm. And then we look at the secondary. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason. Uh, I mean, the Titans, will, right now they're banged up. We'll see if Adoree Jackson is able to play this week. Malcolm Butler's already on IR. But you got you got Butler still beyond this season. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with Logan Ryan because you mentioned handing on to Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, those those guys have to be priorities. But but what about Logan Ryan? To me, he's put in a Pro Bowl caliber season. You know, I think he finished sixth in the voting in the AFC at, at cornerback. Well deserved, I think. He, yeah, he he should be he should be up there. He's having a really good year. That being said, what happens to him and the Titans this offseason is is a big question that that we'll have to see the answer. I, I still think he has to be a priority, but you also have priorities elsewhere. The, the injuries in the secondary, I think, have, have, have started to get pretty costly. Yeah. And you could see that the last game. I, I, I like Ty Smith. He's really good at knocking the ball out. Yep. He has a unique skill that uh, not a lot of defensive players have, and, and it can change a game. We've seen it. Yeah, it's, I mean, they've taken advantage of it the past couple of weeks. But, but that being said, it's, it's unfortunate that the Titans get DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins the last three weeks of the season with this banged-up secondary. Right, and and – so when you've got Ty Smith on one side and and Tremaine Brock on the other, again nothing against Tremaine Brock, but he just got here. It's funny he uh, I was I was standing in the tunnel uh, this past week, first game at Nissan Stadium for uh, 
for Brock, who, who the Titans claimed off waivers the week before, and he didn't know where to go. Uh, so he's, he's still new. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so it's, it's the spelled out perfectly. Yeah. I, and, I, you know, and, and that's one of those positions that it is so hard to find cornerbacks in that league anyway. And, um, I mean, we've got you've got Logan Ryan. That's a really good one for the Titans. But I think having – I think, you know, Sims played a good bit in this last game too, and they were able to get him back. But I just – I just don't know if those guys are experienced enough to really be the answer against some of these receivers. Uh, you know, you had Hopkins, Will Fuller, mm-hmm. Kenny Stills had two touchdowns in that right. game. I mean, the Texans they had a pretty good group, and the Saints have one too. Mm-hmm. And pretty I, good quarterback, yeah, who who will know how to how to play that. So, I think you know, really, the the Titans have been fortunate with injuries this year, all things considered. Right. Uh, I mean, you had Delaney Walker was a big one, but they seem like they got hit hard at cornerback more than any other position mm-hmm. and uh, you know that Malcolm Butler injury huge I mean he was he was having a really strong year it was really consistent same with same with the Dory honestly you know for for all his troubles really sort of highlight grabbing troubles as as a punt returner he was having a really solid season at his position at cornerback and and to lose both of those guys is is huge I mean if if you're going to have injuries you like to have them sort of spread out amongst position groups. Unfortunately for the Titans, it was kind of a concentrated situation with, with the injury bug that they had. So we'll, we'll see if they could hold up uh, these last two weeks. But, you know, I, I still think it's, it's it's been the strength of this team for a while going forward. We'll see what they do in the offseason. has the potential to still be strong. And to me, it's a position they could still look in, uh, you know, during the draft as well, you know, just, con- you know, looking if, if, if they bring back Logan Ryan, if they don't. What happens with the Dory Jackson? I, th- I think they might look uh, for sure uh, at that position in the draft as well. If you're trying to upgrade um, on that defense, there really aren't a lot of areas that kind of jump out. Right. Depth at cornerback only because that's what we're talking about because guys got hurt. Mm-hmm. And uh, they could still use a pass rush specialist. And I, I don't know. I think Harold Landry has taken steps this year, but he is he is not quite there yet when it comes to being a guy that you know every week is going to do something to wreck an offense. Right. I, I think he's he's quietly had a really good year, but you want him to be that sort of jump out at you, attention-grabbing intimidator, mm-hmm. um, and he, he's not there yet. I think that's, that's within reach for him, for a guy like him. Uh, he's had a really good year, really strong year, but it's, it's you know, still not elite uh, where, where you see some of these other – Pass rushers, as you said, disrupt a game, change a game. Uh, he's getting there, but he, he's not quite there yet. Are you surprised they didn't try to get Terrell Suggs? Yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't playing great in Arizona. Maybe a little bit because I, I think, you know, I'm sure Dean Pease would, would have loved to have been reunited, but he was, he wasn't lighting it up in Arizona. So that, that to me, is, is the reason why because they didn't even put in a claim for him. They're so cautious with that sort of thing. They are. I was I was less surprised with with Jenkins, uh, former Giants cornerback, just because I felt like his personality might be a wild card into that locker room. They consider room. that more than a lot of teams do. The yeah. Titans so do. so that that to me was less of a surprise. I, I think Suggs, you know that that did surprise me a little bit. Yeah. He would have been a Cam Wake kind of right addition. right exactly. A quality veteran who would come in and maybe I yeah you could have seen it could've maybe seen this it. one and. Yeah, you know, and adding Tremaine Brock, that was one of the few times you've seen them kind of go out on a leap and do that. Right, and and you and I felt you feel like the injuries forced their hand on that. Yeah, 
And so, yeah, the Titans just aren't that team that they, they don't, they're not moving and shaking with a lot of the trades and personnel kind of things. But when they, when they do things that usually makes sense, they're usually, you know, telegraphed, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And, and, you know, to that point, I think the locker room has benefited from all of that. Just that. I agree. Calculated, calculated approach of, of, you know, being careful of the type of personalities that they throw into the mix I think it's it's a big part of of why they are where they are because you know as as he wrote the uh the quarterback switch could have been divisive there's there's a lot of things that could have derailed this team from a locker room standpoint you know not to mention starting 2 and 4 but it kind of kept a, a cool head uh remained even keeled as it did last year you know I think that was a key last year just for how much of a roller coaster the the week to week journey was for them uh, having a steady locker room was important. I think it was important this year. So uh, I think there is a method to the madness as far as the, the guys that they bring in here. If we're yeah, if we're we're naming one last thing to be optimistic about, it's probably that. Yeah, uh, and and you've seen it play out during games where they've overcome adversity. This last Saturday they were down fourteen, or last Sunday they were down fourteen nothing. They they could have just folded up shop, and, right? Uh, but they didn't, and and you knew they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, you could, you knew that was going to happen. They were going to make a run to try to get back in the game, and that's why playing a team like the Saints, who just obliterated the Colts on Monday night, uh, scary because if you fall behind them, you feel a whole lot less optimistic about a comeback effort. You, you, know? you do, and I, I think the Titans are going to hang in there because that's what the Titans do. Yeah, but. God, the Saints look good. This is I, the best team that they'll face. If I was Rabel, I wouldn't even show the team the tape of that game. That was, yeah, that was brutal. Hopefully they the, weren't Because the Titans know how good the Colts are, and that was that was domination, just if, complete. If the Titans, things break a certain way, I think there's a possibility that that game doesn't even really matter for the Titans, and they'll probably be lucky if that's the case. They'll also know going into that game. Well, because of the, the Saturday game. Right, because yeah. Tampa and, and, the, and Houston play on, uh, right. on Saturday, so... The division could be locked up by then, right? So now, now it's all about what the Steelers do. Right. So it might not, which becomes interesting if if the game actually doesn't matter for for your playoff hopes. You know, does that dictate the way you use Derrick Henry? Does it, you know, does it make? They you, would never say that. They they wouldn't, but <laughs> they would never admit but, that. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. It's it's an interesting thought though, because we're to that time of year where you know chestnut checkers. Right? I would love if I, Mike Rabel said, you know what, the game doesn't matter. We're gearing up for Houston. Get on out there, Dalen Dawkins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they would never say that. You're right. All right. Well, that's uh, that'll do it for this edition of Talking Titans. Thanks to all of you for for listening all the way through. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And please drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Eric Bacharach, I'm Gentry Estes. We'll see you next time. Talkin' Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talkin' Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talkin' Titans is a production of the Tennessean.